the Gym Class Zeros podcast, where the zeros are the heroes, baby. I'm fired up. I am fired up. Episode 3, Gym Class Zeros pod. Welcome back for another week. I'm George. I'm Seti. I'm Coach. And I'm Kyle. We are so excited to be back for another week. We've got a lot of great stuff to discuss today. And before we get to that, we're going to start with our new favorite segment, Bland's Brew of the Week. Kyle, what are you sipping on this week, buddy? So today we are sipping on Beyond the Pale's Pink Fuzz. It's a grapefruit wheat. So as you know, I wanted to highlight uh, Ottawa brews. And this is one of them. So we got Centertown, Ottawa, uh, the grapefruit wheat. Now, I've been trying. I've been having a few sips while we've been... Uh, trying to discuss our sound, and honestly, I think it could use a little bit more grapefruit flavor. Um, I think it's a nice, smooth wheat beer to drink, but I don't taste a whole lot of grapefruit. What do you guys think? Um, I just took a nice big sip here, and uh, I think it's tremendous. I was supposed to say something about Pink Fuzz. Uh, It brings back a lot of memories. So when the job I'm in now, I've been in for three years. When I first started, my palate wasn't as distinguished when it came to craft beer. Uh, and one of the girls I work with, one of my colleagues, is a, is a huge, uh, she'll call herself a beer snob. Um, and one of the first recommendations she ever made was Pink Fudge. Pink Fuzz, not Fudge. Pink Fuzz by Beyond the Pale. And so that night, you know, being the, the, the eager student in the office, I said, you know what, I'm going to try it. So tomorrow I can come in and say, you know what, I tried your recommendation. Look how great I am. Now hire me forever. And so I went home, got this, sat down, poured it into a glass, and I tried it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I hated it. But I can tell you there's a great ending to the story because now we're three years later. And it's, 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 I've, my opinion has, on it has changed dramatically. And you still uh, have your job. And I still have my job. They ended up keeping me on even because I, get, I, did, I guess I wasn't as honest with her as I should have been. Um, but I'm very – every time I've had it – so I've had it since then. I've had it maybe three or four times. Every time I've had it, it's, it's delightfully surprising. Uh, and it gets better and better each time I try it. Um, but like you said, Kyle, I do agree. A little bit of grapefruit would – like a bit more grapefruit would be nice, especially when you look at the can. It's beautiful design. I love what they do there. But I, uh, it, it may be lacking a little bit in that grapefruit. For sure. Yeah, no, definitely. When you label it as a grapefruit wheat pink fuzz, uh, I think it definitely, the grapefruit should definitely be bold. And I just don't think it is. Now, that doesn't take away from the fact that it's a great beer. It's very smooth, very easy to drink. It has a subtle bitterness um, that I think is really nice. Now, like you said, uh, for an uneducated palate, that can come off as uh, not so easy to drink. But um, as we've gotten older, we've um, developed our palates and uh, it's turned out to be a really nice beer. Is it fair to say that's a little, little bit on the hoppier side? That's definitely a lot of hops, yeah. Definitely uh, hoppier on the hoppier side for sure. I almost thought for the longest time it was a grapefruit IPA, um, but you know, looking at the can now, it's a grapefruit wheat, and I mean that just shows how hoppy it really is and how bitter it might be. So it can be um, standoffish at first, but I think as you keep drinking it, it's, uh, it turns out to be really nice. It's only for the refined folks like us. Exactly. Yeah. And coming out at 6%, it's a, it's a nice strong beer too. And don't forget to keep your pinky up when you're taking a sip of it. 100%. Awesome. Bland's Brew of the Week. Kyle and Bland, thanks again for another beautiful segment. We appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, George. 
Awesome. So let's dive right into it, guys. We got we got a, a huge uh, episode coming up. Lots of different topics we want to get to. So uh, let's start off with the the Florida Panthers in the NHL, second in the Central Division. Jonathan Huberdeau's got 17 points in 13 games. So for the third overall pick in the 2011 draft, pretty impressive. Uh, that team's just humming right now, and a great Sens legend, Chris Drieger, playing better than Bobrovsky in net. So uh, Bob's making 10 mil a year. Uh, what are your thoughts here on the Panthers, guys? If you would have told me in the offseason that the Florida Panthers would be on such a hot start, I'd definitely call you a liar. My expectations were definitely a lot lower than what's going on right now. In 13 games, if I'm not mistaken, their record is 9-2-2. Two, and two. Which puts, which uh, they're just under Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay is the defending Stanley Cup champion, as we mentioned in the previous episode. Uh, overall, they're playing really, uh, really well as a team, and uh, it shows. Like you know that um, the division's got Tampa, it's got Nashville, it's got Dallas, Carolina, a lot of good teams in there, and uh, hard, you know, the hard, the hard work is showing. Um, also shows you that just because you pay a goalie $10 million a year doesn't mean he's your best guy. Uh, we see Drieger here. Uh, the games he's been in net, he's played really well. Uh, great part of the reason as to why they're doing so well. Um, another guy that I think is doing well is Carter Verhage. He's got 12 points in 13 games. Uh, he was with the Lightning last year. They won the Cup. And he just decided to take his, uh, his game elsewhere. Uh, didn't get re-signed by the Lightning. And just drove down the interstate and said, okay, let's play for Florida. So, uh, he's doing well. And uh, it's nice to see the change. You know, it's always been the same teams that have been doing well. So, it's nice to see somebody else uh, up in the standings. Uh, Seti, uh, I know as a Habs fan, Habs haven't always been high up in the standings. But now that we see how well they're doing, you know, how do you feel about, about Florida up there? Yeah, you know... I've always been a, a a big fan of the Panthers. I really like uh, Jonathan Huberdeau or Hubidou. Uh He's been a very quiet but solid player over the last four or five years. Uh, you know, him along with Barkov, they're a, a, they have a really solid lineup. I think, and it's been a little disappointed the last few years. They haven't done quite as well as maybe they should be doing. They're in a tough division, like like Coach mentioned, but. I'm actually quite happy seeing them doing uh, as well as they are. Uh, similar, I think it was in episode one, I said I was a little disappointed in how Nashville started off their season. Uh, that's kind of the way I've felt with the Panthers over the last few years. I think they have a lot of promise, they have a lot of potential, but they haven't quite uh, made that jump to the, the next level. And it's really nice to see them uh, doing what they're doing so far this year. And I really hope that they are able to to keep it up, you know, 17 points in 13 games is probably hard to get, keep up over the course of the season, but I'd love to see uh, Huberto uh, keep up those numbers. And, hey, they're not in the North Division, so I think they're they're a team that I'll be cheering for uh, as the season goes on. Well, you know what they, they say what's happening with Carter Verhage right now, 12, 12 points in 13 games, eh? That's the Evgeny Dadanov effect right there. Playing on the line with Barkov and Huberto. That's gonna get you some points. We saw that with with, with Dadnov, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rib Dadnov anymore, because yeah, he put up some big points in Pan- with the Panthers. He got a nice uh, nice contract this year, um, but he put in you know last night or Tuesday night I should say 
The Sens come back from a 5-1 deficit against Toronto. Dadunov scores two of them, including the, the OT winner. Um, so Evgeny Dadunov, definitely a gamer, but don't be mistaken. I think Carter Verhage is, is benefiting like, like Dadunov did by playing with some real studs there in, in Florida with Barkov and Bar- Huberto. But we spoke about Huberto, and, and I think that's a really important piece because he's obviously a, a huge piece in Florida. Uh, we talked about his, his performance so far this year, and he's obviously a big piece of their their success so far. Uh, but that reminds me a little bit about Alex Galchenyuk, right? Another another third overall pick, just a year apart, those two. Uh, Galchenyuk's now been traded again from Ottawa to Carolina, and then from Carolina to Toronto in less than a week. So he's been traded twice in, the less, in less than a week's time. But... Throughout his career, you know, we saw him being drafted by the by the Montreal Canadiens, and now he's kind of flip flopped all over the place. And you got to kind of feel bad for the guy because he just can't find a home, and he can't find a place where he could just be a consistent offensive threat on the wing. Uh, but like, what do you guys make of Alex Kachanyak? Like, is he an AHL player? Like, where does he end up? What do you do? Like, is he even got a spot in Toronto right now? Well, I mean, Alex Kachanyak. There was so much hype around him. Uh, played in the OHL for the Sarnia Sting. Uh, was expected to go high in the draft, ends up going third to Montreal. Uh, plays there a couple of years, can't find a groove, gets moved along and moved along and moved along. Uh, he's played for, I don't know how many teams now, he's played for Montreal, Arizona, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Ottawa. He was technically part of the Hurricanes for probably about two days and then gets traded to the Leafs, so I didn't count there, but that's at least seven teams I just don't know what the issue is with him. Can't find a groove. Maybe he's moved around so much because he's got attitude issues. You don't know what happens in the room. But, I mean, it's not a good sign if a guy who's been in the league for nine years now has been moved almost every year. I don't know what's going on. Ottawa brought him in on a one-year deal, uh, hoping he could spark something. Uh, It didn't really do much, so when they had the chance to move him, they did. Uh, trade him to the Hurricanes. We get back Ryan Dezingle. And all of a sudden, watching uh, the pregame show the other night, and all I hear is Alex Galchenyuk traded to the Maple Leafs. So I don't know how much of a chance he's got to make that team. they got a lot of young guys there that are uh, fighting for the very few spots available on that roster. So I don't know what the future holds. Will he go back to Russia afterwards? Who really knows? But at the moment, uh, he's he's on uh, on the Leafs. So, Seti, original Habs guy, you want to see him do well. I want to hear your thoughts on this. What's going on with Alex Kilchiniak? Yeah, you know, I, I had the chance to watch him for for a few years there when he was playing for the Habs. Uh, one point you kind of mentioned that is in, would be interesting to discuss is you said it might be an attitude problem or kind of a, a character problem, but... It seems to me like it's really he struggles a lot with confidence. Uh, he watching him play in Montreal, you see him go through these streaks where he every shot seems to go in. He's lighting it up. He had a couple couple fifty point seasons, which aren't too bad as a as a young guy. I think he even had a thirty point uh, season at one in one of the one of his years in Montreal. So uh, you see that there was obviously potential there, but it's what really he struggles with is the confidence. So when this puck stops going in when the play start stops being so easy and it gets a little tougher i think he really struggles with that the mental side of, of the game and keeping his confidence up i think it's something that he he struggled with and maybe that's why in the 
the last few years he's bounced from team to team, so he, he comes into a new team, maybe gets put on a short leash, doesn't perform right away. His confidence goes plummeting down, and then he lose, also loses the confidence of his coaches and and the team. So uh, I think it, a lot of it is confidence-related. Obviously, you never want to see a player move from team to team like that. Uh, one, it's hard for them to adjust to new systems, new cities. So if you're keeping a guy around for you know a season or half a season and you're trading him off, you, I think you you got to give him a little bit more of a chance. Obviously, it is a pro sport. You expect him to to perform like a pro, but I think it's also tough on, on him to be moved around like the way the way he's seen it done uh, over the last few seasons. So I kind of feel for the guy. Hopefully, he'll he'll find his feet in Toronto. Maybe on the bottom two lines, he might have less uh, less responsibility. He might have might be have more of a green light to to play the way he wants. Uh, We'll see, but uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, I hope to see him do well. You know, you never want to see a guy uh, go through that, those sort of things. It's it's just a tough situation, right? Because like you say, if it's really a if it's really a confidence issue, there being passed around from team to team to team is really not going to help you much when it comes to your confidence, obviously. Um, but if you can't crack a lineup regularly, like a lineup like Ottawa's, I have a tough time finding another team in the NHL right now that can actually find a spot for him. So it'll be really interesting to see what Sheldon Keefe and, and the Toronto Maple Leafs do with him there. Um, obviously, trading for him, they've got some kind of plans for him. They don't, you know, he's, he's expected to play and he's expected to uh, to be on that roster every night. Uh, if he's a healthy scratch or if he's in the lineup, we'll see. But very intriguing. Um, and I think another point I'd want to make on this too is, is I think there's an appetite in the IHL for a guy like Galchenyuk because otherwise they wouldn't have traded for him. He was not, he was put on waivers by Carolina and the fact that Toronto traded for him and gave up assets for him means that they weren't the only ones interested in him because otherwise they could have just made a waiver claim and there you go. He's on, he's with them. Uh, so the fact that they traded him, I think tells me that I think there was some, some appetite somewhere else. And so it's intriguing. I really find it a, an interesting topic. Alex Kilchenyuk is really came in looking like he's got a lot of promise, and then now he's kind of that guy that nobody really knows where he fits in or what kind of player he is. So we'll see what what the, the future has. In and store if I can him. just add there, George, one thing you you mentioned, which I also kind of want to make a point to, is outside of Montreal when he was there, they had a, a couple seasons where they had a decent team, and maybe his one year at Pittsburgh. Like if you look at the teams that he he's been traded to and from. Arizona, Ottawa, Minnesota, kind of a bubble team there. He's never had the chance to play on a competing team or a solid team. Uh, so that also, I think, comes into play. It's obviously less motivating playing for a bottom team in the league and then being bounced from one to the other, obviously, is not fun for him either. No, absolutely. Great point. It's not like he's playing on the Tampa Bay Lightning and he can't crack a lineup there. So. No, that's a good, good talk there, guys. Uh, good conversation when it comes to hockey. Uh, one thing we wanted to touch on, we spoke about it a little bit last week, about the world's longest game. Uh, those folks out in Alberta that are raising money for cancer research. Uh, so the world's longest game has now ended. Uh, a total raise of $1.8 million. So that's more than $1.5 million uh, over the goal that was originally set. Team Hope ended up beating Team Cure by a score of 2,649 the 2,528 goals. So great success there. So just a, a tip of the cap to the great people that are behind this great event that's raising some money for a really good cause. So 
Thanks to those guys. And another shout out we want to make, this is going to segue a little bit into what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to have our first guest next week on the podcast. We're super excited to have that. Uh, our good buddy, Couch Scout from Couch Scout Hockey, is going to be joining us to talk NHL draft coming up this year. We're really excited to have Couch Scout as a recurring guest on our podcast. Uh, he's got a wealth of knowledge and is really what we would consider an expert when it comes to uh, hockey prospects. Uh, and so we're really excited to have him on to talk about that. Until then, though, uh, you can check him out on Twitter at 613CouchScout and then also online at CouchScoutHockey.blogspot.com. So uh, really encourage you guys to go on there and then uh, tune in next week to hear uh, from Couch Scout himself. Uh, we're really looking forward to that. George makes a good point here about our friend uh, Couch Scout uh, Hockey. He's a good friend of mine uh, outside of the uh, outside of the hockey world. I've introduced him to all the guys, and he's basically a hockey bible. Anything you need to know, anything you want to know about hockey, he's the guy that I go to for anything. So I strongly encourage you guys to go to his website, to follow him on social media. Um, he posts some interesting articles about future draft picks, kind of what's going on in, in the league. And it's not just NHL. It's OHL, QMJHL, WHL. Hockey equals couch scout. So go show him some love, read his articles, share. And uh, I think uh, eventually he's going to have a s- surprise for us. But uh, that's something uh, in the works. Thanks, Simon. And you know what? He's also a fantastic ODR goalie. So if anybody needs hockey advice, hockey opinions, and an ODR goalie, check out our guy, Couch Scout. Again, one more time on Twitter, at 613CouchScout, and then online at CouchScoutHockey.blogspot.com. Awesome. So let's move to some MLB, boys. What do you guys think? It's about damn time. It's about damn time. Let's do it. So pitchers and catchers, there are 15 teams reporting on Wednesday. And then the rest of the league on Friday. So MLB baseball is almost back. How excited are you guys? I'm fired up. I am fired looking, up. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's about time, like we said. Uh, hopefully we can finally get baseball back on the, on the TV. The beauty about baseball, and, and it's really what gives me hope, is it being played outdoors for the most part. Uh, I think baseball is going to be the first, especially over the summer, that's going to be allowing more and more fans into stadiums. And so I think we're going to start getting a bit more normalcy with baseball first out of all the professional sports because of the outdoors, because of their schedule. I think if anybody's going to start getting closer and closer to like that pure, you know, sport atmosphere, I think it's any baseball. So I just can't wait to get everything started and and see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, uh, it feels like the world series was so long ago. Uh, we know the MLB had to alter their season because of COVID-19. And now to be able to start the season on time with no plans of any sh- shortages should be exciting. Uh, I've been looking forward to the return of the MLB since the World Series ended. I'm a huge fan of baseball, huge Yankees fan, as I mentioned in the past. So I picked the Dodgers to win the World Series. Uh, deep down inside, I know the uh, the Bronx Bombers, the New York Yankees are going to win the World Series. I know you guys are... Not a fan of the Yankees, but I don't really care what you think. So, I think if you're looking forward to a baseball season and looking forward to the Yankees playing, I think you've got a, a long season ahead of you there, Coach. <laughs> the Jays are starting the season with a win and ending it with a win because they're playing the Yankees to begin the season and they're going to win the World Series at the end of the season. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. All i got to say is Garrett Cole. You want to talk about pitchers? Garrett Cole. Better than any pitcher on the Blue Jays, I'll guarantee that. Hey, you know what? It takes more than the, one pitcher. 
I'll, I'll give you the, the Yankees look good. I think the AL East as a whole is going to be pretty strong. It's kind of a weird thought to think about Tampa Bay losing their ace and Blake Snell and still being considered the second best team in the division. So that tells you all you need to know about that AL East. I think it's going to be real competitive. Uh, we've spoken about it before. George Springer is going to really be an added touch to that Blue Jays lineup. But ultimately, when you look at the AL East and you see the Yankees, the Rays, and the Blue Jays right at the top of that division, there's going to be some really good baseball this summer. And uh, I'm definitely excited. And that's just the AL East. <laughs> so we haven't even touched about the Padres. We look at the Dodgers. The Braves are going to be in there. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's some exciting baseball teams right now. Just can't wait for everything to get started. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the AL East has been probably one of the, the toughest divisions to play in uh, in the MLB for, for a long time, but it hasn't really been the case over the last couple of years, so hopefully we can get back to it and see some, see some competition between uh, all four teams. Or I mean, Orioles are in there as well, but I, I don't really count them in that. Yeah, you got the Orioles and the Red Sox there. It's always weird to consider the Red Sox not in the thick of things in the AL East because they've just predominantly always been. It's just I think they're kind of more working into a rebuild. And so I don't know if they're going to give a lot of teams some trouble there. Um, and like you said, the Orioles, you never know the Orioles. I mean, they've been they've been real good. The last few years has not been their, their best. Uh, but, hey, it might be a bounce back year. Um, so a lot to see there. So let's touch on some football, guys. I, I mean, the, the Super Bowl has now been a week away. We're a full week. We're more than a week. We're, we're a week and a half away from the Super Bowl. And somewhat, the NFL finds itself still in the limelight because you've got some some great storylines right now. It's like, where's Deshaun Watson going to go? I know for a little bit there was talks that Aaron Rodgers might not be happy in Green Bay. But then you see, because we come back to Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans, and I guess the kind of shit show that they've got going on there, J.J. Watt basically comes to a mutual agreement with, with Texans' ownership there, and they decide to just part ways, and he was released from his contract, and he's free to sign elsewhere. So that's some pretty huge news. A guy like J.J. Watt, he's a little bit past his prime maybe. He's not the J.J. Watt he was three years ago or so. He's battled some tough injuries in the last couple of years. But he's still J.J. freaking Watt. And so it's so exciting now to see where does this guy land. Obviously, a lot of people are thinking odds on. Odds are he's going to Pittsburgh and he's going to play with his brother, uh, T.J. Uh, Both brothers. That's right. That's right. He does have both brothers there. So... It would be a, like a Watt reunion there. Some other people have, to, have thrown Wisconsin out. He's going to go back home to his home state in Wisconsin and play for the Packers. So there's some options there. But, like, I guess I, my question to you guys is two-tiered here. One, where do you think he ends up ultimately? But two, when was the last time you saw a guy as prominent as you, J.J. Watt just be kind of released and free to sign elsewhere? It doesn't really happen every day in pro sports. Yeah, I think this kind of start probably dates back or started. Uh, uh, I'm sure the people who are NFL fans or who uh, are following the NFL uh, remember maybe it was, I don't know if it was the second last week of the regular season or the last week where he just went on a, I don't know how long, how many minute rant about how disappointed he was in his team and his teammates. Uh, the lack of effort, the lack of heart. So I, I'm sure that had something to do with it, uh, him being released. Maybe he wanted out. Maybe the team didn't like the way he carried himself. I'm sure that had a part to play. But uh, throwing it back to last week, we were discussing should the P- Pittsburgh Penguins implode? Should they rebuild? 
it sure the hell looks like uh, the Houston Texans are taking that note and are completely imploding. Releasing J.J. Watt, obviously Deshaun Watson's looking out, looking to get out of there as well. So definitely looks like a team that's uh, imploding on itself. Uh, in terms of where he's going to end up, I sure the hell hope he doesn't end up in, in Pittsburgh. That means we'll, we'll be playing against the two, two Pro Bowl Watts there in Pittsburgh as a Ravens fan. So I really wouldn't like to see that. Yeah, I think I, I think I like the odds of him ended up in Green Bay. Obviously, I'd love him to play for the Ravens. He'd be a huge pickup for them, but they've already got a, a pretty solid defensive line there, so won't be too disappointed if he doesn't show up there. But, uh, yeah, I just hope he doesn't end up in, in Pittsburgh. I think the Houston Texans should change their motto from whatever it is to the power outage with Watt being gone and Watson on the way out. They're just, oh. they, they seem ah. like there's not, <laughs> they seem like there's nothing going on there. Your quarterback's unhappy. He wants out. Where does he end up? As a Colts fan, I'd like for him to come in Indianapolis, uh, to come play in Indianapolis, but let's be real. I think the ideal fit would be the Patriots. Some people were saying the Jets, but it makes no sense for the Jets to acquire Watson when uh, they've got a really high draft pick and uh, they'll be able to pick. A quarterback come draft time, but with J.J. Watt, I mean, it'd be it'd be cool if he went to play with his brothers with the Steelers. As you guys mentioned, he's, uh, his prime was a couple years ago when Houston actually had a chance, and now that they're just imploding, uh, I say he, he goes to the Steelers. Or, as a hopeful fan, he stays in the AFC South to burn his former team and comes and plays with the Indian- Indianapolis Colts, which hopefully... Um, will have traded for a new starting quarterback. So we shall see if I had to put any money on it, though. I'm going to say he's going to go play with the Steelers to be with his brothers uh, uh, for the last, I don't know how much time left he's got in the NFL, but that's where he ends up. I mean, one thing I heard, and I I, I guess I read up on in the last uh, little while since the news came up, is not just the effect he has on the field, but J.J. Watt has been a huge part of the Houston community and what they do there. I mean, the guy's got his J.J. Watt Foundation, which reads the, it's, it's raised $6.3 million, funded over 700 schools, 38 states in D.C. Uh, and so the J.J. Watt Foundation does a lot for, you know, obviously across the country, but especially in the community, he was a great pillar in that community that they're losing in Houston. And so just an all-around good guy. I don't think there's anybody that has a bad thing to say about J.J. Watson. I don't personally know him, obviously, but we hear some great, great things. Very well respected, not only for the play on the field, but off the field as well. And so, yeah, f- Former Walter Payton uh, award winner as well. So I think whatever, wherever he goes, that organization and that community is going to be getting a real good one. A future Hall of Famer, no doubt. Yeah, and even out, like uh, you guys mentioned, he's maybe a few years out of his prime, but... I don't th- I think he's probably going to get offers from almost every team in the NFL. I think any team will be lucky to have him and the fact that he has the choice of where he wants to go having been released uh I think probably odds on favor will probably be the Steelers unfortunately. Yeah, but you're right, right? Like it's I I can't think of a single team in the NFL that can't use a JJ Watt right now. And sad enough, the team that I think can use them the most is the Houston Texans. If you think about a team that needs that kind of leadership, that kind of play on and off the field, 
Unfortunately, the Houston Texans are probably the ones that needed the most, and that's where he's leaving from. So really exciting to track and see where he ends up. I wonder if it's going to take a while, if he's going to think about it, or if maybe he already has his, his mindset on where he wants to go, and it's just about kind of putting pen to paper. Sticking on, on football theme here, not necessarily the NFL, but what about the fan-controlled league, the FCFL? Did you guys get a chance to catch that on Saturday night? Yeah, actually I did. Uh, I thought it was a very interesting way. to uh, never seen the, the game of football played that way. Uh, definitely intriguing, and I'll definitely want to keep uh, following that story. But why don't, for those who don't know, George, uh, why don't you give the, uh, the people out there listening a little rundown of what exactly that, that league is? Absolutely. So it's kind of a, it's an interesting setup and it's an interesting concept really for a football game. So it's a seven on seven league. There's only four teams in the league uh, and it's played on a 50 yard field. So it's half the field in a regular NFL or football uh, field. Uh, And fans have input on play calling and uniforms and some other different things as well as part of the game. So fans actually have a lot more power, more than just me sitting and putting all my money on the 49ers winning by five, right? It's a lot more than that. They've got actually, um, they can. there's a, the voting system that they can use. And it, it's a pretty interesting concept. So they play every Saturday for six weeks. Uh, and the games are streamed on Twitch at 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern. So it's, it's a, it, the way, I, like from, my, from me watching it and seeing the highlights and watching a game, you know, Johnny Manziel's on one of those teams and, and uh, he's kind of still kicking around. But from what I saw, it was basically the best way we can describe it is arena football on steroids so it's half the field quarterbacks are mobile there's kind of like these boards that go around like these padded boards around the 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 field and it's just kind of like chaos it's kind of just running around huge hits big passes it was a lot of fun it's entertaining is it quality football that we we've come to to know from the nfl probably not but i know for myself if you know Saturday nights between hockey flipping back and forth, I'll definitely be tuning in. I'll be interested to seeing how uh, how how that works out and what comes from there. Simon, what do you think of this league? Did you did you get a chance to take a look? I was able to do brief research, saw a bit of I don't know s- stuff on social media about it. I will and not waste I will not waste a moment of my time watching this stuff. This stuff sounds like absolute garbage. Uh, one, I think. You know, I, I think the NFL is obviously, you know, the one who runs the show when it comes to f- football. And I think they should stay at that. Yes, I know they they play from, let's say, s- September to f- February. And then you have those months where there isn't anything else going on. But watch other things. Get into TV shows. Watch baseball. Watch the NHL playoffs. Watch the NBA playoffs. And the fact that I have to go onto a website to watch this stuff... You gotta be kidding me! I think this will be the only year that this thing runs. I think this is a complete joke. Whether it's entertaining or not, I don't know. But I've got my money saying absolutely not. Don't ask me to watch it with you guys. Don't send me a link. Don't waste my time. You know what? Check your inbox. I think I'm gonna completely disagree with with you on that, Coach. Uh, You know, George kind of mentioned in passing the Arena Football League. If you look at all the other pro or semi-pro football leagues that have kind of come and gone, you had the the XFL in 2001, then it tried to come back under a different format. Uh, last, I think it was last year, folded again. But I think what's going to keep the fans interesting, and I'm going to say it's going to stick around longer than just one season. 
they bring something different to the table. So the the Arena Football League has been able to to stay in business uh, even with the competition of the NFL because they bring something a new element to the game. Right, you're playing in in an arena, a lot smaller field, a lot more physical. Uh, so I think similarly to the Arena Football League, I think this this sort of league brings a complete different element to the game. I don't know if you could even call it football at this at this point uh, because it's how different it is. Uh, but I think because of how different, how uh, they're engaging fans, having the 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 fans having input on the play calling, the uniform, as George man- mentioned, I think it'll keep the fans engaged, and I think that alone will be at least be able to sustain the league for at least a couple of years. I think. One hundred percent, coach is wrong. Don't be an old man. Give it a try. Tune in. Give it a chance. I guess we'll see. I mean, if I'm not watching the Weather Network or the infomercials, maybe. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> Let's talk some NBA boys, some hoops for SETI. Let's do it. My favorite segment. Love it. Do you guys see the Blake Griffin drama? So the Pistons and Blake Griffin have basically reportedly agreed that the six-time All-Star will be out of the lineup indefinitely as both sides work through the next steps of his playing future. So the Pistons are hoping they can find a trade partner by the trade deadline on March 25th. Uh, Blake Griffin's owed $36.6 million this season and another $39 million next season before his contract ends and he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So if a trade can't be secured, it looks like a buyout may be the path ultimately pursued by the Pistons. So it's kind of an interesting si- situation here that I haven't really seen in a little while. So you've got an all-star, a former all-star in Blake Griffin. They can't come to some sort of agreement. And so rather than just playing it out like you usually see where it's kind of like, yeah, I'm not really happy, I don't really want to be here, or, you know, the team's actively shopping me. I don't know if I'm going to be traded or not. In this case, he's, he's basically just saying, I'm just not going to play until something gets figured out. So I don't know about you guys, but when was the last time you saw something like this? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, you've kind of seen it in the past in a few different other sports uh, where a player either uh, wants to be traded or is looking for a new contract and they sit out the start of the season. But I think this is the first time I've ever seen a player who's played throughout the season and all of a sudden decide, I'm not playing anymore. That I don't think I've ever seen that. It's very interesting on both parts, on Blake Griffin and the Detroit Pistons. It's definitely an interesting situation because the Pistons aren't doing all that bad. Actually, I take that back. They're doing pretty bad. <laughs> but they're, they're not a bad team. I mean, they've got a good coach in Dwayne Casey. Uh, maybe there's a disagreement there, uh, but he's still. I think he's still a, a decent player. I think uh, if he doesn't get cut, uh, I'm I'm sure teams will be interested in trading for him. Uh, whether he's coming off the bench or starting, I think he's still a a talented player. He's definitely he's definitely a, a physical dominant player. So I think uh, I think if he doesn't want to be in Detroit, I think any, uh, there, there's plenty of other teams that will be knocking at the door trying to pick him up. So is he untradeable then? Like, we look at that contract. He's owed about over $50 million over the next year and a half. Is that an untradeable contract based on his play in the last year and a bit? Or do you think there's a spot for him? I think there's a spot for him. Probably a team that's right on the cusp of either making the playoffs or a team that's just maybe one player away from competing for for the Larry O'Brien trophy. He might be one of those like deadline pickups where 
uh, at teams just looking to get that that extra boost for the playoffs. So I think there's definitely a market for him out there. Uh, maybe not for a team looking to rebuild, but maybe more of a team that's looking to compete with maybe like the the Lakers of the NBA or the Bucks or one of those teams that have dominant physical physically dominant players uh, who have big threes. Uh, he's definitely I think would be a good addition to to a team like that who's maybe looking to uh, add that one extra key player to to help them compete there. I think the biggest thing with with Griffin too is I I remember like the I don't know was it high school days when Blake Griffin was the human highlight reel of dunks. Like this guy was the best at it. He was the best in the league, and he was just—it felt like he was posterizing a different guy every night. He was a beast. He's—I I think a, a little bit of a, a ways away from that, but I personally think he still got some game. I mean, I well, I—I I do I think he's worth forty million dollars at this this rate? Maybe not, but I think he still got some game. Uh, if they can work something out as far as financially, I think there's definitely somewhere to to, to put him. He'll find a place somewhere. He'll land somewhere, uh, but it'll be interesting to see where. Um, one place that I guarantee he won't be landing is Toronto. Uh, and that's because the Raptors are now officially not returning to Toronto for the remainder of the 2020-2021 season. Uh, are you guys surprised by that in any way? With kind of, I guess, COVID now and the way that the Ontario provincial government has been dealing with things and even further than that, the government of Canada as, a, as the feds go, are you guys surprised to see this? I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, they're the only team in the NBA that's not in the United States. From the get-go, um, the government of Canada has been very strict in regards to travel due to COVID-19. While they were able to establish some sort of league within the NHL where all the teams, um, you know, not in the U.S., the Canadian teams were able to play within within the country, whereas, as I mentioned, the Raptors are the only team not in the United States. So you got to just stick to the plan. It's unfortunate that you can't play at home. You're, you're, you're away from your family. You're away from your loved ones. But uh, these days are just crazy. I mean, the s- circumstances are insane. I don't think I would have ever thought that we'd be living through what we're living through at the moment. But um, I think uh, I think the Raptors just gotta gotta put their head down, keep doing keep doing what they're doing, keep winning basketball games, and uh, bring the championship back. It'd be nice to have it uh, again uh, in the North. Yeah, I kind of agree with Simon. I, I don't think it's too uh, too surprising, but definitely unfortunate uh, both for the players and for the fans uh, that they won't be coming back uh, at all this season to Toronto. I think one thing that's probably would be interesting to mention here would be the lack of of the well. Obviously, some some teams in the NBA have fans in the stadium, but one thing that's always helped Toronto, especially in the playoffs, I think this will have a huge impact in the playoffs is not having that home crowd. I think it played a huge part in them winning the championship. You kind of saw them last year in the bubble. They didn't have as much uh, umph. I don't know, for lack of a better word. You know, that crowd really gives them energy, gives them the motivation. I think it's going to play a big part if if they do make the playoffs. Right now they're in a playoff spot. But if, come playoff time, if they're they're in there, I think the lack of of fans that that Toronto crowd will have a will have a huge impact uh on the team and on their performance. Oh, 100%. I mean, you look at some of those playoff games and it feels like that crowd in Toronto's right on top of you. And as an opposing player walking into something like that, that's intimidating. That's a tough place to play come playoff time. 
Uh, and then you add in Drake on the sidelines. Like, I mean, hey, you don't want to be a visiting team in Toronto. But ultimately, guys, I think as far as the Raptors playing in Toronto, is it disappointing? For sure, it's disappointing that they're not coming back to play in Toronto this season. Do I agree? 100%. I think as a Canadian citizen, most specifically as an, a citizen of Ontario, the last thing I want is basketball teams coming in and out of Toronto for two nights, three nights, going to restaurants, moving around, depending on what kind of quarantine rules are in place. But God knows what they're bringing in with them. And then also the Toronto players leaving Canada. Maybe they're picking something up there. Obviously, COVID has been a lot more prevalent in the U.S. than it has here. It's, it hasn't been great here, but it, it's been a lot worse up there or down there, I should say. Um, and then coming back to Toronto and going home and seeing their families and then going out in public. Like, it, I think it's just it's too much of a risk. And if I'm the government of Ontario and the government of Canada, the last thing I want is, is this kind of these people just coming in and out of the country back and forth like a like a turnstile. Yeah, and I think ultimately that's what it comes down to, right? Both governments don't want to, they want to minimize the, the spread of the virus as much as possible. And unfortunately, that means for the, the Raptors fans that they won't be seeing their beloved team uh, playing at home for, for a season. Yeah. So let's touch a little bit on on, ba- on some soccer. Uh, I think we throw back to our conversation we had last week about offside reviews and hockey and touch a little bit about that, but on a soccer kind of thing. So VAR video assistant referee we heard wayne rooney the manchester united legend come out speaking against the use of var last week and the impact it has on the game saying that it's taking the emotion out right something happens a big goal maybe a foul that isn't called a foul or a foul that is called a foul and then kind of play stops and we go and review it so rather than just celebrating a goal or just moving on with the decision of the official we're now reviewing everything and it's taking away from the flow of the sport and the game what are, you guys, what, what are your thoughts on that? Is it kind of the same thing as we said with hockey where it's like, all right, if the guy is over the line or offside by a nostril, does that mean that the goal should not be allowed, et cetera? But more than that, do you think it affects the flow? Because obviously in hockey and football, we've got a lot of stoppages. Soccer is very different in that sense, right? It's 45-minute halves, and it's really nonstop. Ball goes out of bound, pick it up, bring it back into play, and go off you go. So do you agree with Wayne Rooney in that sense? Yeah, I totally agree. I think this um, kind of echoes my sentiment that we uh, that I I brought forward last week. Uh, I think I mean soccer already kind of maybe has that that known characteristic where it might be a slower game. I'm, I'm sure that that turns a lot of people off. So having another interruption in the game uh, obviously is going to slow the game down even more. Uh, and again, uh, what another kind of a point we brought up last week with the offside is does the do the offsides where VAR is needed does that really give any advantage to the team if a player's offside by by a fraction of a, of a centimeter then so be it i think uh i don't think it's necessary and that when you've got a a soccer legend like Wayne Rooney who who's coming out against it i think it uh, it shows how much the players dislike it. So uh, I'm not a fan of it. I agree. I totally agree with him, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Obviously, it's a new technology that they've just brought into the sport, so I doubt that they'll take it out so soon. Uh, that remains to be seen, but I definitely agree with him uh, on that end for sure. Simon, do you, do you like the uh, the rectangle movement with the referee? How do you feel about VAR? I think the I think the thing that always intrigues me is when. 
when the referee has to make the rectangle in the air and then he points uh, in regards to you know what's being called i think i think that's the most interesting part i think especially in soccer like it's been historically known that they've been anti anti technology anti all that stuff and then all of a sudden to implement this uh, as a as a soccer fan i was shocked personally not a fan of it in soccer but uh, it is what it is and i'm going to have to agree with Wayne Rooney it it takes it takes that oomph out of the game you know it just takes that excitement away when okay is he is he offside is he onside like by a hair and then you go out and you score a tremendous goal and then oh we got to check that it's not offside we got to check that you know uh, the ball crossed the line all the way like there's a nice goal it's, you know let's just leave it at that it ruins the ruins the emotion ruins the excitement of the game so i'm i'm definitely not a fan of uh, var in soccer so it, it sounds yeah. like the three of us are purists yeah, and, and just to add, add as well, in soccer you've got uh, a little bit different than in hockey. So being having been one myself, uh, you've got the linesman on the sidelines whose entire job consists of staying in line with the last defender to be able to call it. So if he's lined up with the back defender as he's supposed to be, if it's too close for him to call at that point, then I don't know what they're there for, you know? That's their entire job is for them to do that. So if you're going to be u- using VAR to to overturn those, then might as well just take the linesmen's out. Exactly. There's nothing. There's nothing less exciting than thinking your team just scored or something huge happened in the game, and then we have to sit there and stare at each other while some guy checks a little computer screen. But you know what is exciting, guys? How about Chelsea FC right now? I'll take over from here, fellas. I'll take over from here. What this is the podcast, Chelsea fan. I'll take, take over it. from here. Go for it. Give it to us, coach. Give it to us. So, as a fan of, of the Blues, Chelsea FC, we hired Frank Lampard. Things were not going well. We had to part ways with the club legend. And I think that hurts when you give a guy like that a chance who's done so much for the club as a player. To see him not be able to, to become a coach and to do well is quite unfortunate. Uh, we hire Thomas Tuchel. And since we've hired him, We've been on fire, and I say we as a fan, and I'm not in their starting 11 by any means, uh, but I'm just going to say we. We hired Tuchel, and we haven't lost uh, We haven't lost a match uh, s- s- since he's been hired. We've, we've won five straight games. Uh, we've currently jumped up to f- fourth place in the, in the standings, so um, we're in a spot for the Champions League. Let's hope we can keep up the good play. Um, it's nice to see a guy like Werner score finally after playing over a thousand minutes in the EPL to be able to get that uh, to get that off his back to say he scored the first goal. I'm very very happy about that. Um, he costs a lot of money, so it's it's nice to see the return on that investment uh, starting to pay off. George, I know you're a fan of Man City. How do you feel about the Blues in fourth place, where maybe a couple weeks ago or a month ago they were uh, they were pretty far down the table? I say bring it. I think it's it's always a good thing. English soccer right now is the best in the world. And it's always good when Chelsea can compete. And there's nothing wrong with some healthy competition. So I think for English soccer to remain as good as it is right now, we see Liverpool having a little bit of a drop this year. They're really not the same Liverpool that we've come accustomed to seeing in the last few years. Uh, good for Chelsea. They've got a good... like I mean, everybody loves Frank Lampard, but you bring a guy with the kind of experience as a manager, as, as Tuchel... And we can see the difference already. So sometimes maybe it's the 
maybe it's the X's and O's that he brings to the table. Maybe it's just a wake-up call to players saying, like, listen, we're not happy with the performance. Whatever's happened there, it's turned that team out around considerably. And uh, really exciting to see how everything plays out at the end of the year. But let's not forget, top of the top of the league right now. Who's top of the league? Man City, baby. Yeah, George, I like the point that you made uh, with, you know, sometimes in, in hockey or other sports, you see coaches get fired just to reset the culture or, you know, bring a new spark of energy to the team. But I think this kind of shows where in soccer, it's such a strategic and technical sport that bringing a new coach, bringing him a new way, a new style of play, which you see a lot more often in soccer, how bringing a new coach who completely re reformats the way a team plays can make such a big difference. You know, winning five straight since he's been there, jumping up to fourth on the table, I think it has a huge thing to do with the change in strategy this and uh how technical the sports the uh, the sport of soccer is 100 percent. we're looking at a, a pretty expi- exciting spring i think uh when it comes to soccer champions league we're at the round of 16 right now uh wednesday or tuesday as we're recording this the first uh, set of round of 16 matches went on and so the champions league is right you know the, we're getting to that exciting piece of that tournament uh it's getting competitive and so just super excited to see where everything goes and where things play out so this won't be the last conversation we have when it comes to soccer when it comes to epl champions league um so a lot more to come on that so good discussions there can't wait to see how everything plays out so boys let's move to our uh our final segment of the day final segment of the episode the our bet of the week we're looking on a looking to line up a sponsorship on this one here so maybe in the in the coming weeks or months or years we'll be able to get a sponsor for this segment, but one day we're hopeful. Let's tackle some NBA futures today. All right, we've got three different divisions. We're going to look at outrights NBA futures, Eastern Conference champion, Western Conference champion, and of course the championship. Right? Who's taking it all home? So let's do this pretty rapid fire. Let's uh, let's go around the table. Who do you guys like for the Eastern Conference? Uh, Seti, what do you think? You know, right now, looking at the standings, you got Philadelphia in first. Uh, I'm not sure whether or not they can sustain that uh, into the playoffs. I think uh, as much as I bashed them last week, I, I like the the Brooklyn Nets to, to get their shit together and make it, out of, make it out of the East. Coach? Out of the East, I mean, I think the obvious pick is to pick Brooklyn. Uh, I think, uh, I think, however, the Bucks still have a chance. I mean, you got a guy like Giannis, just an absolute all-star, can just play in every aspect of the game, and and I think, and I think the team around him is stable enough for them to make a run. So uh, in the East, I'm going to say the Bucks. George, I like it, boys. So the Bucks are second best odds in the East. They pay out at four point zero zero. The Nets, Seti, two point three five. The Seventy Sixers are in third best odds right now at six. I'm going to go off the top three, and I'm actually going to pick the Celtics. I like the Celtics to win the East. They're seven. They're they're paying out at seven right now. They're the fourth best odds. Uh, I like the Celtics in the East. But what about the West, right? Uh, Coach, let's start with you in the West. Who do you like in the West of the NBA Western Conference? Listen, guys, I'm a fan of the Lakers. I've been a fan of the Lakers since I was a kid, thanks to Kobe Bryant. Um, watched him growing up and always been a fan, but, I mean... If you look at the team who shares their arena with the Lakers, the Clippers, they got Leonard, they got Paul George, they got just a solid team around them. So if if I'm going to pick a team out of the West, it's going to be the Clippers. Uh, Breaks my heart in half that I'm not picking the Lakers. I don't know. I think the Clippers can do it. 
Seti, who's your pick in the West? Uh, there's a few teams I like in the West. Denver's a really good team. They made a really strong push last year in the playoffs. I think they can do it again this year. Uh, shout out to our, our Canadian guy, Jamal Murray, out there. Uh, another team who's kind of been hot this year uh, with a big couple of big pickups is the Phoenix Suns. I like the way they've been playing, and uh, I think they can make it deep into the playoffs, but I, it's hard to go against the Lakers. Uh, so you know what? At the end of the day, I think they're... They're just too deep, too strong, and I, I like their odds of repeating coming out of the West. And you know what, guys? Um, so let's look there. We've got the Clippers, second-best odds, paying out at 3.6. Lakers, the best odds, 2.1. I personally, I like the, the Lakers in the West, not only for the West, but also for the championship. We talked last week in our Brady conversation, who's the best of all sports. Said you, you mentioned LeBron. I think he's the king. I still I still stand behind my Brady comment. I think he's the best across all sports. Uh, but LeBron's just the absolute goat in basketball. And I, I like the Lakers, not only for the West, but in the whole championship. Uh, what do you think, Seti? Yeah, as good as their team was last year, I think they've only gotten better this year. As long as AD stays healthy, he's been dealing with some, some uh, lower body injuries, uh, his Achilles, his calf. So as long as he stays healthy and the, the team stays relatively healthy, I don't see why they, they don't repeat this year. Coach, wrap us up here. Clippers bucks in the finals, and I think the Clippers take it. And Kawhi Leonard wins a championship in his hometown. And I think uh, I think that's all you can really ask for as an athlete is to be able to win win the respective ring championship in your hometown. I think that's, I think that's everybody's dream. So I think the Clippers get it done. I'm going to call it the Clippers beat the Bucks in six games, to be precise. Love it. I love it. We're going to hold you to it. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll obviously, this is recorded, so we'll be back. We'll check in on this at the end of the season. Love it, boys. Great, great episode. Episode three is in the books. Love it. Yeah, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Awesome. So, just a reminder, guys, thank you so much for tuning in today on episode three of the Gym Class Zeros want to remind you to follow us on our social media instagram at gym class zeros pod and twitter at gym class zeros pod with a zero don't forget to tune in next week couch scout hockey will be joining us again you can follow him on twitter at at 613 couch scout and then also online check him out his website couchscouthockey.blogspot.com he's running through the top prospects of the 2021 draft right now in the nhl and uh, we can't wait to be talking about more prospect uh, talk next week more hockey talk with couch scout in episode four so thanks again for tuning in have a good one i'm fired up i am fired up <laughs> <laughs> the